And so, like I said, we're so happy to be here with you, excited about it. It's great to see the changes, to see what God's doing. Amen. You know, change is good. Uh, you know, change for the sake of change isn't always good, but God change is good. And, uh, you know, we've got to be willing to continue to make those changes and those adjustments in life. Uh, because if we're not, uh, then really you and I just get stuck in a rut. And you know what a rut is? It's an open-ended grave. Uh, so we don't want to get stuck in a rut in our life. Uh, God doesn't change. Amen. God doesn't change, but we do. Amen. If you're at a place where you stop changing, then you stop growing. And, and, and you know, there's, um, there's either one, it's either one or the other because you don't stay the same. Amen. You either progress or regress. Those are your two options. I don't know about you, but I want to progress. I want to go forward and I want to fulfill all that God has for me. You know, it's so easy today uh, to just kind of get comfortable and just kind of get into, you know, we get into a flow and praise God for that. But it's easy to stay there and want to pitch a tent uh, where we are and not not move forward and not grow and not increase. And, you know, because change is not always easy. Stretching is not always easy. It's uncomfortable. And once we get comfortable, we don't want to get uncomfortable. Amen. We want to stay comfortable. I mean, that's just the truth. Might as well be honest about it. Nobody wants to necessarily be uncomfortable. You know, not for any, you know, uh, uh, normal reasons. <laughs> you know, uh, we, we, we want to stay comfortable. But I tell you what, God is constantly working and moving and God's not done. You know, you know, and I know you've probably heard that and, you know, no telling how many times, but it's the truth. God's not done. He's not finished. He's not finished with what he's doing. He's not finished with what you're doing. He's not finished with what's going on in our nation. He's not finished with the world. Um, he's not done. We're going to have challenges. We're going to have obstacles and we're going to see those things arise. But I tell you what, God is going to have the last say. And I want to be part of that. Amen. I don't want to be the naysayer and say, oh, well, God can't do anything. That's not true. As long as you and I have breath and as long as you're serving the Lord, then you are a vessel for God to work through to accomplish his purposes and his plans. So the only way that God doesn't work and God doesn't move is when you stop. Amen. You and I are the the Bible says we're the body of Christ. Isn't that right? You go read the book of first Corinthians. We're the body of Christ. We're his body in the earth. I mean, we're not the head, but we are the body. We're the ones he's flowing through, the ones he's using to work and move and accomplish. And so as long as we're here, as long as the church is on the face of this earth, then he's working and moving. Amen. And and he's accomplishing. There's still too many people dying and going to hell for us to stop preaching the gospel and stop doing what we're called to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Y'all have to come alive here in a minute. Praise God. But, you know, God has been dealing with me in my life just about doing new things, uh, doing more, uh, bearing more fruit. The Bible says that he's glorified when we bear much fruit. In other words, your fruit can be examined. Your fruit has different uh, results. You and I, the Bible says you can't be uh, a good tree doesn't bear bad fruit and a bad tree doesn't bear good fruit. It doesn't work that way. And so Jesus is concerned or he's attentive to the fruit that we bear in our life. Amen. We have the fruit of the spirit. And then you also have the fruit of the flesh, the results of what the flesh, when we pursue fleshly things, it bears its own fruit. The Bible says that sin pays its own wage. 
The wages of sin is what? Death. It pays. It pays a wage. And so when we engage in whatever we engage in, whether it's good or bad, whether it's right or wrong, it's going to produce something. And God's wanting to produce more through our lives. I don't, you know, if you read your Bible, God is always wanting more from you and I. He's always wanting to do more through us. It's not a thing where God's trying to just run you into the ground. But, but while we're on this earth, God's got a purpose and he's got a plan. And he's wanting to see it come to fruition and completion. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work and you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Faithful is he who called you who also will do it. So God's working to fulfill the call in your life. It doesn't mean that you have to be called to stand in the pulpit. It means whatever he's called you to do and the influence that he has for you and, and what he's wanting you to, to accomplish through your life and the giftings that he's put in you. He's going to keep working in that until Jesus comes back. Amen. Or until you go home to be with the Lord. He hasn't stopped that. And no matter what you've done or not done, he's still working to accomplish. He's not done with you. He's not done with me. And God has in our lives, he has new things for us. He has continual things for us to step into. New things doesn't always mean I have to move somewhere or change my church. Or, you know, we we try to get new by doing things that appeal to the flesh. And God's wanting to take us higher. God's wanting to put us in a place where he gives us a place where we can bear more fruit with our lives. Where we can increase in what we're doing. Amen. He's not just trying to move us all around to make us happy. Uh, You know, I, I really don't know that God's really concerned about your happiness. Amen. As much as you and I walk in the joy of the Lord. So he positions us to where we can bear fruit and bear more fruit. And if any of you, you know, garden or do anything like that, you know that many times if you're going to be more fruitful, you got to prune it. Amen. You got to cut some dead things off of stuff. You got to fertilize some stuff. In other words, there's effort and energy you put into that to get it to be what? More fruitful. And so in our own lives, God's constantly working for us to be more fruitful. He's constantly doing that in our life so that we can bear more fruit. Because fruitfulness in the kingdom always translates into the result of souls being saved. Amen. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Seeking to save the lost. So the fruitfulness of our lives. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is whatever you do. It should translate in into the big picture of souls being saved. You may not be the evangelist preaching on the street corner. You may be the person who watches the kids in the nursery. But you're putting into them. You've been given the privilege of investing into a child. The things of the kingdom. That's a privilege. It's not a chore. Now, it's not always easy. Amen. Amen. But it's a privilege. It's a privilege in whatever we do in the kingdom that invests into the lives of people. And that should translate into lives being changed, lives being impacted. And, you know, sometimes you don't realize those results. I've been in the church long enough to where I've been able to see people like David and Dara grow up. Pastor David grow up and mature and pastor. I've finally been able to see those that have grown up and now they have kids. 
You, you know what I'm saying? You don't always see those things immediately. But we started in the children's church. We started as children's pastors. We know what it was like running around and dealing with the kids that just bouncing off the walls. I, I had one of them. You know, one of mine was one that would never sit still. You know, he was the first one into the fountain at the church when we put it in. He was in there more than once. <clears throat> and it's, you know, when you're on staff and pastor's wife comes to you and says, hey, Austin's in the fountain. <laughs> you know, uh, <clears throat> and then I got one of them, another one in there digging change out of it. So, you know, it's just part of it. But when you see and invest in that and you see God work and continue to move. Amen. It's, it's wonderful. So. I want to share a few things with you about that uh, this morning. Um, you know, <clears throat> you've heard God, uh, the saying about seasons, you know, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, to everything there's a, a time, there's a season. Amen. And one of the things that God has dealt with me about, and this is what I really feel like God wants to, to minister to you this morning, and that is, is that seasons come and go. You and I don't control the season. In other words, you don't determine when winter comes. We were talking about how hot it is. Did anybody decide it was going to be summer? You know, in other words, the seasons come and go. Seasons in your life will come and go. Some seasons you'll miss if you're not paying attention to. Some seasons you'll not take full advantage of because you weren't prepared for it. In other words, when winter comes, winter serves a purpose. And if you prepare for winter and you understand the purpose of winter, then it doesn't just become a season. I can't wait till it's over. It becomes something that I'm so focused on what I'm supposed to be doing in that season that the season goes by and I'm getting everything out of that season that I'm supposed to, which is going to bring me and prepare me for the next season. And so in our lives, those seasons can come and go. And God wanting to new new things, God works within the season in order to prepare you for the new things that he wants to do. And if you and I want to step into the new things and we want to step up to that next level, if you will, with God, then that has to be intentional. In other words, it's my decision. My decision of whether I want to grow in, with God or not. That's not God's decision. He wants you to grow. He's going to give you every opportunity to grow. You have to choose that I'm going to grow with God. That I'm going to allow Him to work in me and change me. How do you know that? Well, I know that from the Word. And I know that, number two, from being in church for 20-something years and watching some people never grow. Hear the same preaching, same worship, been in church, but they don't change. And you see the opportunities that God wants to bring in their lives, but they never take hold of that because they don't want to prepare and do what's necessary in order to see God take them to that next level. And see, God's not trying to ever hurt you or I. He's wanting to increase you. He's wanting to do more. He's wanting to not just do more through you, but how many of you knows uh, that, you know, <clears throat> when you uh, use a water hose to water, the hose gets wet too. Amen. When you stop using the hose to water, what happens? The hose stops getting wet, stops getting wet. So when you and I shut down and we're not letting God work and move, don't blame God. You need to go turn your faucet back on. 
You see what I'm saying? You need to come back and say, okay, God, help me out here. Maybe there's a kink in my hose. Maybe there's something that needs to be adjusted. Help me to make the adjustments I need to make so that I can see you do more through my life. And you know that, you know, the higher the water pressure, the hose has to be able to handle that. Don't get offended because God's not using you to do something you're not prepared for. If God tries to put you in a place that you're not prepared for, then what happens is, is that when the pressure comes, you're going to bust. Amen. And that's not, listen, that's not an offensive thing. It's a truth. So I don't want to get offended over things like that. What I want to do is say, God, what do I need to do in order to be prepared for what you have for me? Do do you understand the difference? We've got to be able to do that. And so in Isaiah 60 verse 1, the Bible says to arise and to shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. We know it's a prophetic verse. We know it's talking about the the, uh, uh, Jerusalem. We know it's talking about the church. Amen. And so uh, what I want you to see here and just in verse 1, it says to arise and to shine. And in the Amplified, it says, Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine, be radiant with the glory of the Lord, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has arisen upon you. Listen, for you and I to see the glory of God in our life in a greater degree, we have to be willing to arise. And that word arise is not just stand up. It's not the word just, hey, arise, you know, get up. It means to step up to another level. It means to step up to a higher place. It has a greater connotation to it than just get up and do something. It actually means I've got to do something to stand up, to change, to adjust, and step up to a higher level. And it says that we are to arise, he says, and shine. Listen, what the world needs right now more than anything is they need the light of the gospel. Amen. If you keep reading, it says that darkness would cover the earth, gross darkness the people. So what he's looking for is for people that his light and his glory would be seen upon in a greater degree, in a greater measure. You know, nowadays, you know, used to uh, my my... My wife and I just bought my grandparents' house, and he's got a huge shop, and we were going through just kind of through some of their stuff and uh, found a couple of old, old flashlights. You know, when you turn those things on, they still work. Now, how much light comes out of them isn't a whole lot. Not compared today to the LED bulbs. You know what I'm saying? And, And so you put those two up against each other, and you're getting more light out of less power. Amen. Now now stay with me on this. Because what I want you to understand is that arising with God doesn't mean just you doing more work or you expending a lot more energy. If you're not doing anything, yes, it does mean more work. Amen. But if you're already doing what God wants to do is accomplish more through you. In other words, greater fruitfulness, greater uh, ability in the kingdom of God is God doing more through me. It's not me just doing more. You've got a lot of the church wanting to do a lot of things for God. And God's not as concerned about what you're doing for him as to what you're doing with him. If Jesus is the head, amen, he's still attached and leading the body. Amen. 
And so, have you ever had anybody do something for you? And what they did for you? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? The best response you had, well, that was a nice thought. (laughs) Amen. Don't look at me so holy. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? Somebody just tried to do something for you or a good intention or something like that, but it wasn't what you needed. It wasn't what you wanted. And it was a good intention. It, you know, maybe ended up being a re-gift. You know what I'm saying? Somebody did something for you. I'm not saying you shouldn't do things for people. But when you do something for somebody and it doesn't meet any need and it doesn't help them and it's not a blessing, then it's good. But it wasn't out of you having a real relationship and knowing that person. Are you listening to me? Same thing in the kingdom of God is you can find yourself going out and doing a lot of things for him without having the relationship with him and actually doing what he's asked you to do to be obedient that's going to produce the most fruit. Do you see what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that in, in, as far as like a negative. What I'm saying is, is that our, our walk with God is based on our relationship with Him. It's based on drawing close with Him. It's based on saying, God, what do you want to do in my life? What is it that you are wanting to do through me? I can't do it on my own. See, I can do things for God on my own. I can do them for Him. But I can't do what He's called me to do and what He wants to do through me. I can't do that on my own. I have to do that with Him. With His wisdom, His strength, His ability, His anointing, His Word, His Spirit. It has to be in in connection with Him that I can accomplish what God has for me. I can't do that just on my own. And so that's how we have to walk forward with God. Is That's part of arising. That's me. It's I'm stepping up. I'm arising. I'm I'm moving beyond my circumstances. I'm moving beyond what's going on in my life. I'm not just merely doing more, but I'm drawing closer to God and I'm getting more a hold of and getting greater clarity and wisdom on what he has for me. God's not hiding from you what he wants you to do. It's not a hide and seek game. What it usually is, is that we're living in the flesh and we're not tuning into him on the level that we need to. That's, that's usually what it is. And usually it's because of circumstances in our life that we're being bogged down and overwhelmed with circumstances and situations just with life. Amen. And listen, that doesn't make you or me a bad person. It just makes me out of tune. You you understand that? This isn't about beating somebody up and trying. It's just, hey, I want to tune in. You know, nowadays we have, you know, satellite radio. We have all the things, you know, but but if you're old enough, you remember, you know, where you actually had to tune the station. You know what I'm saying? You had to dial it in. Well, we have to constantly be dialing in God. Not because he's elusive, but because we have a flesh that we have to deal with. We have to, it's, you might as well just be honest about it. There's nobody in here that doesn't have to deal with their flesh. Amen. That's just part of it. And there's many times that flesh, what, gets in the way, doesn't it? And it makes things a challenge. So we have to constantly be working to dial in to tune in. Amen. Listen, a couple of scriptures. Uh, Matthew uh, 26, 38 through, th- through 40, where Jesus was in the garden. 
And, and this has really helped me a lot. Uh, remember when Jesus went to pray and he's told his disciples, he says, watch with me. All right. And then he goes and prays and he comes back and he finds them sleeping. And he says, what's going on? Couldn't you watch with me for one hour? Listen, if you listen to what he says, Jesus didn't say watch for me. He didn't ask him to do anything for him. He said, I want you to watch with me. I want you with me. There is a difference between patting somebody on the back and saying I'm for you. As opposed to saying I'm with you. Amen. And so even with, you know, even if we talk about Pastor David and Dara, they ought to know that you're with them, not just for them. I can be for somebody a thousand miles away. I can be for somebody and never do anything. But if I'm with you, then when you're in the foxhole, I'm in the foxhole. Whenever you're fighting a battle, I'm fighting a battle. Whenever you're enjoying a victory, I'm enjoying a victory because I'm with you. I'm not just for you. I'm with you. And that's what God wants from us because he's with you. Amen. I know the scripture said, if God be for you, who can be against me? That's true. But he's not just for me. He's with me. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. Amen. He's with me. That means where you are right here today, right now, whatever you're facing right now at this moment, he's with you. So if he's with you in that moment, how can you not make it through? How can you not see victory? I didn't say it was going to be easy. But we just we just sung about him being victorious, didn't we? We just sang about him being great, didn't we? Or is that just song? Is that just the latest song? Or is that really what I believe? Amen. God's with you. Listen to what Jesus said. Matthew 12, 30 says, whoever's not with me is against me. Wow. That's a pretty powerful statement. Said whoever's not with me is against me. And who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Amen. So. We want to move forward in him and I want to embrace and take on those new things that he has for me. Uh, I, I, it, it's, it's not something I'm not trying to build my own life in the sense of my own kingdom. I just want to make sure that when I stand before him, he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That I did all that I knew to do, that I finished my race, like the apostle Paul said, I've kept the faith. I finished the case I, my race. I've run my course. It doesn't mean you're going to do it perfect. It doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that it's not going to come without challenges. It doesn't mean that we haven't messed something up. Listen, if you are on the face of this earth, at some point you've messed something up. You've made a mistake somewhere. If not, then man, you know, you ought to be up here preaching, you know. But we've all made mistakes. We've all come up short. It's not about how many times you've come up short. It's about whether you're still walking with it. And the enemy wants to get you to quit. He wants to make you feel like you've made the worst mistakes. You've, you, your life is the worst life. He wants to give you every reason why you can't walk with God. Why you can't fulfill your destiny. Why you can't do what you're called to do. You know, we, we have a generation right now that is lost as a goose. I mean, not just spiritually, they're just lost. 
I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they're just out there. Just their thinking is totally different. But I'll tell you this, God's not done with them. To me, God's going to grab a hold of them. Amen. But they need to know that there's something to live for. They need to know that there's a purpose and a destiny. You and I still need to know that for our lives. Otherwise, what's going to happen is as you grow older and then you do less and less. And that's not what God's called you to do. He says the end of the, the uh, he said the glory of the latter house would be greater than that of the former. Uh, I believe it's Ecclesiastes says the end of the thing is better than its beginning. The Bible says don't despise small beginning. In other words, you and I ought to finish strong. We ought to finish up here. We ought to finish having more influence and more impact with our lives than when we began. I didn't say you had to end up working more than when you began. Amen. I I didn't say what I was saying is when we do it with God, what does he do? He's able to take what he's put in you and accomplish more with it than what he was able to before. I don't know. That's good news to me. So it's not about me just going and finding more busy work. It's about me honing in on what has he called me to do? What is it I need to do in the realm of this church and the vision here? How can I be a part, use my gifts, use what he's put in me to be a blessing and for God to use me and to have a greater impact? Amen. Here's a couple of keys for you to be able to move forward. Uh, Isaiah 119, he says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Listen, you can't just be one or the other. You, it's, it's a twofold process. I have to first be willing. And then I have to be obedient. Amen. How many of you know good intentions are not worth? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I guess thank God for good intentions. But if it never translates into anything, it, it, it was just an intention. And somehow we have translated good intentions into doing something. Well, I wanted to. Well, God, you know, I wanted to. I, don't, I mean, I've had that conversation. Amen. Where I didn't do something that I, was, I wanted to and I meant to, but I didn't. But if I live my life on that, then I'm going to end up at the end of my life and realize that I didn't do anything that God called me to do. I just intended to do it. And in God's eyes, that's not going to fly. So I've got to not just be willing. With God's, you Remember when Jesus restored Peter? He said, Peter, do you love me? Did Jesus just pat him on the back, give him a big hug and say, I'm glad you love me? What did he do? He said, feed my lambs. He said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. I've got something for you to do. Jesus, I mean, he said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, "Uh, tend my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Feed my sheep. He gave him a response to prove out what Peter was saying. So you and I, if we're not careful, we come in and we love God. And yes, I do love God and I have that desire for Him. But somewhere it has to translate into me being obedient. Me doing what he's told me to do. Jesus said, if you love me, what? Keep my commands. In other words, love is going to be proven out because you've done something. John 3.16 is for God so loved the world, he sent his son. He did something. 
We live in an age where the church is becoming, has become more and more where we love God, but there's not as much doing. There's not as much, let me rephrase that, there's not as much obedience. Well, God, you know, I do this for you. God, I get up and I go to church for you. Amen. God, I tithe, which is good. None of these these things are great. You know, God, I do this. God, I do that. Yeah, but what has God told you to do? Well, I don't I don't know what he's told me to do. Okay, that's all right. You got a starting place. Now you go to the word and you find out he'll tell you what to do. You see what I'm saying? But if you're not in pursuit of that, you'll use the excuse that he didn't tell you to do anything, to not do anything. And before you know it, 20 years are going to go by and you hadn't done anything because you said he didn't tell you to do anything, but you never listened to what he had to say. Amen. Say amen or oh my, amen. The second thing is, is you can't live in the past. Philippians 3, 12 uh, through 14 says, Not that I've already attained or or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching towards those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul Amen. He's saying, listen, I haven't attained it all, but I'm pressing. And one thing that I do in the midst of all this is I'm forgetting what's behind. I'm not talking about forgetting God, like just totally forgetting what he's done for you. The Bible says we can feed on his faithfulness. I'm not talking about just totally, but I can't live on my past. I can't live according to just my past, what I've either done for God or live in the past of what I haven't done for God or what I've done that was wrong. I can't use the past and live according to the past. The past is over. The past is done. There's no going back and changing it. There's no going back and necessarily undoing it. God can do something new and bring something back around. But he can't go back and just unscramble the eggs. Your past is over. And whatever decisions you made, you made. And it's okay. You made them, it's done. But you've got to find out if you made a mistake, then it's God, help me get on track or help me move forward in what you've called me to do. God's not writing you off because of your past. God would have to write every single person off because of their past. So he's not writing you off because you didn't make all the greatest decisions. Now, it may make you off track. It may cause you to have missed something or missed an opportunity. But that doesn't mean that God won't bring something back around. You see what I'm saying? God's not going to be done. God's not done. He's not finished. You know, one of the things that uh, you see happening is, you know, in our life, if we're not careful, um, we live our lives as, as, if you will, either boasting in the past or being victims of the past. And God, God given me this word a little while back. I, I can't be a victim of my past. It doesn't matter what happened to me. 
I'm not, I've realized that people have some, you know, not everybody, but some have gone through some great tragedies and some great personal things. I'm not making light of that, but I can't let that dictate my life. If I'm a victim of my past, then I'll never be victorious in my present. You can't be a victim and have victory at the same time. It's not possible. You have to move from being a victim to being a victor. God has called you and I to be victorious. So at some point, I have to let God work and help me overcome my past and be healed of my past, be forgiven of my past, whatever my past may look like, I've got to let God help me deal with that so that I can have victory today so that I can press forward into what He's called me to do. But I can't do that if I'm constantly a victim of what's, what happened or what didn't happen. And we've got churches full of people that are victims of, well, somebody said something and offended me. So I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to go to church again because somebody offended me. Or somebody didn't do something for me. Well, what are you going to do when you stand before the Lord? Do you think He's going to pat you on the back and say that's okay? Jesus died and shed His blood for you to not only be forgiven, but to walk in forgiveness? You and I have to be willing to say, okay, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not making light or saying it's just a lightweight, but that doesn't make it any less necessary. And it's not necessary unless it's necessary. And you can't move forward with God and you can't move to the next level if you're still a victim. And it could be a victim of a tragedy in your life. It can be a victim of your financial situation. It could be a victim over something that happened on a job. It could be a victim over your upbringing. It could be a, I mean, we could be victimized. We, we live in a world that everybody's a victim and it's everybody else's fault. I mean, is that not the truth? Well, as the body of Christ, I'm not jumping in that boat because that's not who I'm called to be. I'm called to be victorious. And not only am I called to be victorious, but I'm called to reach out and bring other people out of their victimization into liberty and freedom. Because as long as you and I live as a victim, then our past controls us. And if it was because of somebody we're blaming, then that person controls us. And I refuse to let that happen. Nobody's going to control my destiny except for me. In the Lord. Now people can hinder it. They can influence it. They can try to. But in the end. God's going to have the victory. But I have to decide. I'm going to step up. I'm going to move forward. I'm not going to be a victim of that. I'm not going to allow those things in my life. Amen. How do I know. If, if I'm living as a victim. Well. Because you always keep talking about it. That when, when you know God's dealing with you. About doing something. You always throw the butt in there and then it follows with what happened. That's how you know you're still a victim. Or a victim of anything. Well, you know, I would do that, but I just can't. I don't have enough money to do it. Well, that's not what the word says. 
You may not have enough money right at this minute, but if you live as a victim of that, you'll never have enough money because you won't be able to believe God for it. You're you're staying with me on that. See what I'm saying? As a victim, you can't operate in faith. So you'll never be in a place, even though you hope to be in a place one day, you'll never be in a place until you grab hold of what the Word says and you say, okay, this did happen. It's a reality. This happened. Or this is the reality of my situation. I've got debt up to my eyeballs. Or I've got this. Or I've got a job that doesn't pay me well. That may be the reality of today. But that doesn't have to be the reality of tomorrow. But if you're a victim of that in your mind. And I'll never get out of this. Or it'll never be different. Or it's always going to be somebody else's fault of why I'm here. Then I never take responsibility for my life. And my walk. My relationship with God. Because I'll always blame my shortcomings on somebody else. So God wants to shift you and I forward. And I just have to come to the place. Maybe somebody did make a dumb decision and it affected me. But I don't serve them. I serve the living God so he can change my situation. He can change my destiny. He can change my future. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to stay this way. My life is subject to change. Because I serve a victorious God. And I'm going to do what I need to do to overcome. And it may not happen tomorrow. But if you'll stay at it. He's faithful. God is faithful. He will finish it. He'll complete it. Amen. The Bible says, 1 John 5, 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Our faith. The victory that overcometh the world is what? It's my faith. But my faith is robbed when I'm a victim. I can't walk in faith. Because faith says victory. Victim says no victory. So I can't walk in faith and and declare victory when I'm declaring I'm a victim. Do you you understand the difference there? So I've got to decide, am I going to walk in faith? And then begin to see victory? Or am I going to stay a victim in my life? And, And like I said, it could be anything. Well, it's this person I married. You know? Well, you married him. I understand that. But you can believe God. You can pray. I've seen miracles after miracles after miracles in marriages. I didn't say it would be easy. I didn't, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying any of this is easy. But don't roll over and just give up. You'll never know victory if you give up. You'll never know the feeling of that and the joy of that. Of overcoming something. And maybe you get knocked down a hundred times, but it only takes one victory to breathe life. And I tell you what, we've all been knocked down. Different levels, different ways, different situations, but we've all have been knocked down. But I tell you what, I refuse to stay down in my life. Amen. Romans 8, 37 says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The apostle Paul said, I press. So I've got to press. In other words, I've got to put a press. You know, if basketball, you know, we do a full court press. What am I doing? I'm pressing forward. I'm not giving up ground. I'm going to press. It takes energy and effort. It's going to take some sacrifice. 
You know, maybe you got to stay up an hour later to study your Bible. Maybe you got to get up an hour earlier. What is it worth to you? What's it worth to you? What is victory worth to you? You got to press. You got to be willing to push forward. The good news is, is that I'm not pressing alone. And when I get into place and I get into his word and I'm hooked up with him, you know what? He's the one that's really pressing. And he's pushing everything back. And he's pushing it through. And he's allowing me to overcome it. My natural becomes supernatural when I'm connected with him. There's no victims in the kingdom. Not in the kingdom. Not fully walking in that. Man, I'm saved, born again. And listen, I'm not one to sit here and tell you I don't have problems or challenges. or, You know, I've had plenty of days I wanted to quit or stop or give up or tell God to forget it. I mean, to be honest, I've had plenty of times and things like that. Things when I didn't understand why is this, you know, but I had to make a choice. Am I going to waller in that or am I going to step up and do what I need to do? What's it worth to? Isaiah 42, 9 says, Behold, the former things have come to pass and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says, Do not earnestly remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive and know it? And will you not give heed to it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That's not just a promise to a previous people. That reveals the character of God and who He is and what He does. He's doing new things right now. He's doing them in your life. He's doing them in my life. It's time for the church to arise. I don't just mean this church. We all, it's time for us as the church to arise. Step up to another level. Be busy about what He's told us to put our hands. And maybe you are. And if you are, man, that's awesome. And God will strengthen you and help you. You don't give up and you just stay with it. Stay steady. Because God is faithful. He's not unjust, the Bible says, to forget your labor of love. Never forgets. We, we can't live on what I did yesterday. He never forgets my labor of love that I've shown towards ministry to the saints. Bow your heads with me.